All right. <clears throat> she had said, I'm going to eat a Sour Patch, but I'm not. I'm going to have Billy eat one of the Sour Patch, because if I eat a Sour Patch, I'm not going to be able to, to talk, and I'm going to be picking stuff out of my teeth, so I'm not going to go there. But let me, let me put it to you this way. I think it was a great object lesson. I think what happened on Good Friday to so many that were followers of Jesus, it, it truly did feel sour. And I think that's what we're going to be talking about today. But in that moment that this, this relationship between God and man was restored because now all of a sudden, because of the work of Jesus, all the ways in which we've rebelled against God, the price was paid, restoration was abled, and now those who come to Jesus by faith can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So amen on that. But there's more. And I want to get into that this morning. Let me just be honest kind of off of the front end. When I say that we're going to dive into some things, because I, I want to lay my cards on the table. I really do believe in the midst of the heartache, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the loss, and even for some of you in the midst of the sarcasm and the cynicism, all right? I don't, I don't know where you're at. I really do believe that God is doing something significant right now. It may not feel like it, and it may not look like it. But one of the things, whether we read God's word or look in history, I love the fact that God always does take these moments and do incredible things. Now, I think that's one of the things that I had to notice as I started to slow down. And maybe like a lot of you, as you slowed down over the last few weeks, it's begun to even hit you. I think for me personally, there's something about crisis that in this moment, it shakes us at the core. It, it forces us to kind of come to grips with what's going on around us. And, and then kind of how do I find a new way forward? How do I learn whether I'm, where I'm supposed to go? So whether it's you, whether it's me, we're all trying to explain just where are we trying to get in life? What's going on? We're looking for a storyline, a thread, something in all of this that ties what's going on around us together that gives us meaning. This is what humans do. We're always trying to find out what's going on around us, but sometimes this can just be baffling. And I think probably one of the more maybe perplexing realities that we're facing is just this reality of this thing called death. Now, again, I know for some of you, you've, you've, you've grown, cynic, you've grown as, as cynics, you've become sarcastic in so many different ways, but every single day there seems to be a counter of deaths. We're reminded over and over again that there are groups of people that will draw their last breath, that will have their last heartbeat, will, will even close their eyes for the last time. I think all this shows us is, is that no one escapes death. The thing I love about the Bible, and again, just cards on the table, that's why I'm a pastor, is because I believe it gives the answer to this. There was a psalmist who was writing in Psalm 89, and one of the reasons he, he, he was talking about was this death reality, and, and he says, look, all of us will see death soon enough. In fact, the way he put it is just that everyone does. He finishes those saying, but the thing about death is there's no back door. Now, we're going to talk about that with Jesus' resurrection but I think all of us are coming to grips with just this reality. I don't care if you're the smartest man ever. I don't know, maybe Einstein. I don't care if you're the richest man ever. Maybe John Rockefeller. I don't, I don't even care if you're the most famous person ever. You know, I don't know, maybe a Marilyn Monroe. And that really dates me that I know these people. So let me bring myself into this. Or even, I would say this, one of the greater athletes of our time, Kobe Bryant. All of us die. And I think on that kind of level, as we talk about it, this is what we're wrestling through. Every second, two more people die. And sure, there's no doubt we can improve our lives. We can go to the doctor. We can get a checkup. We can get a physical. We can eat vegetables till we don't want to eat vegetables anymore. We can even go and, and quit smoking and quit drinking and quit, quit chewing. We can, we can do all these different things, but there's coming a time, and this is what the Bible talks about, where all of us do face this reality of just of death. 
And I think this has to be part of our storyline as we kind of evaluate what is the normal. I read a quote this week. I'm just going to put it up. I'm going to tell you about it. This guy was saying that the only hope we have, as, as he puts it, is, listen to this, to die young as late as possible. No matter how you frame the world, the storyline you live by, we can't escape this reality. A couple years ago, I was, I was looking at a comic strip, and in this comic strip, there was death and there was life. Death was represented by the Grim Reaper, and life was represented by this old white-haired man, because that's always the way it is. And they're having a conversation back and forth. And life looked at death and said, why do people love me but hate you? And in the very next strip, death was responding, and he just says this, because you are a beautiful lie, and I am a painful truth. Talk about a bleak reality. But I think so many people that don't understand, again, what God is talking about with this resurrection, we're, ask, we're left asking this question, do we just die in that, is that it? Is this all there is? Is, is this the storyline of what we're about? But let me ask you this question. What if actually the resurrection teaches something different? What if the resurrection actually comes at us and says that death is actually the lie? What if it comes at us and says there's actually so much more? What if this is not the end at all? What if this is the beginning? Because I really do believe that in the resurrection, something happened that sure, no doubt, the primary reality was the greatness of Jesus But I think in that resurrection for a world that felt that it was so much at the end, like nothing mattered, wondering why do we even exist, in comes Jesus Christ and in the resurrection he says, I'm only getting started. Now let me see if I can frame this for a little bit, just using that Sunday morning on the education, the execution of Jesus that day. We know that there were Jewish leaders, there were Roman leaders, and they thought in the back of their head, no doubt, they had eliminated Jesus, that that when he drew his final breath, they saw it, everyone else around the cross saw it, they saw the sword go into his side. There was no doubt that Jesus Christ was dead. And in fact, when he drew in this last breath, I was thinking about it the other day, when he drew it in, it was like a vacuum that sucked all the oxygen out of the atmosphere, and for three hours, it went dark. And on that Saturday, like every other body that's ever been, Jesus laid deceased, decomposing in a tomb. No one had any inkling, though, of this idea of resurrection. And I would say in the back of their head, they were thinking, this isn't a beginning at all. It seems so final. Well, the religious leaders, no doubt, they knew this. They'd heard Jesus say they were going to raise, he was going to raise three days later. But we, in Matthew 27, they didn't honestly think he was going to resurrect. They went to the leader at the time and they said, look, give us the body of Jesus because we're worried that the, the disciples are going to come rob the grave, take him out, hide him away so that people somehow think he actually did resurrect. In other words, they didn't really believe in the resurrection. They were just fearful that killing Jesus was the lesser and letting Jesus somehow drift away was the greater. But even too, the reason I don't think they had to worry about it was that we know that all the disciples ran and fled after that moment. In fact, one of the things that hit me when I was wrestling through this is, is we sometimes think that our, our Easter right now, how are we ever going to exist without being together? Did you know the very first Easter, all the Christians were actually huddling in their homes. They didn't go worship together because they were so afraid. Everybody in some way was getting to that point where they didn't believe it was a beginning because it felt so final. And on that Saturday night, as all of Jerusalem was settling into slumber, it didn't seem that anybody was thinking about resurrection. 
In fact, in that moment, all the disciples, kind of like us when we're kind of in the midst of maybe feeling a global pandemic and wondering what's going to happen with all of our money, what's going to happen with our families, it seemed so final. It didn't seem like a beginning. I think to them, this storyline seems so bleak. But remember what I said at the beginning? This is when I believe God steps in. Gosh, one of my favorite chapters in the book of Matthew is when all of a sudden, when everything seems so hopeless, God steps into this moment. He steps into this moment after Saturday, after the Sabbath, the day of rest for the Jewish people, as these women went to the tomb. In this story, what it's told is, is they were just going and they had some spices and they were going to embalm Jesus. But I really don't even think the primary reality for them going to this tomb was to embalm Jesus. I don't even, I don't even think it was to go talk to Jesus because they didn't think he was going to be resurrected. I think they were just being human. They were scared. They were trying to figure out what was going on and that trip to the tomb was one way to do it. Now, let me just read this for you because I think it's so powerful. After the Sabbath was the first light of the new week dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the vigil at the tomb and suddenly the earth, I love this, reeled and rocked under their feet as God's angel came down from heaven, came right up to where they were standing. He rolled back the stone. This is one of my favorite things. He sat on it. That's not what an angel's supposed to do, just sit down, but that's what he did. Shafts of lightning blazed from him. His garments shimmered snow white. The guards at the tomb were scared to death. They were so frightened they couldn't move. We know eventually they ran away. And the angel spoke to the women, and I love this. Here's God speaking to these women, and when it seems so hopeless, there's nothing to fear here. I know you're looking for Jesus, the one they nailed to the cross. He's not here He is risen just as he said. Come look at the place where he laid. Think about this for a moment. An earthquake is happening. These women are struggling to figure out how to keep their balances. The earth is shifting around them. And not only that, as they're looking at the tomb, they find these manly men, these soldiers that are supposed to be protecting a dead guy, now laying dead while the guy who's supposed to be dead has exited the tomb. Everything around them must have seemed completely out of control. And there out of nowhere comes this angel that lands down in the midst of him. And they've got to be thinking, it can't get any worse than this. But little did they know, they were a about ready to hear words of Jesus, his proclamation to the world, I'm not done yet, I'm not finished. Actually, everything that you've experienced is not the end, it's the beginning. Here's the three words that get said in English. There was actually only one word in Greek, but here you go. You ready for this? He has risen. Those words, I would say, we don't understand how loaded they are. Those words are actually what are at the core of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. Over and over, we, we have testified as followers of Jesus, and this you can find even in 1 Corinthians 15. The centerpiece of everything is that Jesus Christ truly did come back from the dead. And he didn't come back as an apparition or a ghost. In other words, he wasn't floating around, no. When he encountered Mary, I mean, she thought he was a gardener. When he was walking with the guys on the road to Emmaus, interacting with them, talking with them, he ate fish with them and broke bread with them. He was real and alive and in the flesh. He had conquered death and he had come back, not as a ghost or an apparition or just something in the back of their mind like we remember those that we love before him. He came back as the risen savior. Even Thomas, doubting Thomas, 
put his hands in, his, in the nail holes and, and into his side, and he didn't pass through. It was really Jesus. So what's the significance of that to us? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what that means is that when Jesus Christ came back from the grave, he right now sits enthroned at the right hand of the Father, not just the Spirit, but literally in glorified flesh. He is different and he reigns and rules the earth as the risen King of kings and Lord of lords. He stands forever as a testimony in front of the Father proclaiming that what he started was merely the beginning and now all of those who have placed their faith in Jesus, now they too understand that what God the father did with God the son in the grave we can expect that too for what he God the father did for God the son and giving him this new glorified body we can expect that too that is our storyline this is what is so amazing about Easter if you don't know Jesus Christ then you have no hope and John, when he was writing this, even wrote to them and said, I've written all these things so that you might believe that Jesus is who he said he was, the Messiah and the Son of God, and that by believing, you too might have life in his name. And so just cornerstone, let me say this. This day isn't any old day. This day is a proclamation of the victory of God. This is our trajectory. This is our storyline. This is where everything is moving. This is why the early church lived with such boldness and the people of God throughout time. And so I would say to all of you, as we face pandemic and uncertainty and all those different things, this is only the beginning. It's the first letter of the first word of the first paragraph of the first chapter of the first section of this entire story of God. We have life to live and life unimaginable. And so by the grace of Jesus Christ, if you don't know him today, I would say today's the day, today to bend the knee to Jesus. For the rest of us, live boldly as ones who face a resurrection like Jesus' one day.